If you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 13 this morning, we're going to uh, take a week off from our uh, study of Second Thessalonians this morning and look at a passage in Romans 13 on this special weekend. And as we're turning there, just a reminder that as we sing these great songs of praise uh, every Sunday, there are times, maybe regularly, when as we're singing, uh, the Lord convicts us of something that we're singing that's, that hasn't really been true in our own lives. Um, and I'm just assuming that happens in your life also. Um, maybe, maybe sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe we're not really thinking about it if that doesn't happen, but I, I really think that as we sing those songs, there are going to be times when things don't line up right. And we say, ooh, that's not me. Let me encourage you, even while you're singing, keep singing. But also confess that to the Lord and thank him for the forgiveness that he's given us uh, in Christ and for restoring that fellowship with us that's broken when we sin. You know, I was, and just for example, this morning as we were singing um, about praising God even in difficulty, I was thinking, you know what, I haven't been doing that very well. I haven't been doing that very consistently. I let some difficulty sometimes make me bitter or, or, or get me down or whatever instead of turning it back to God for praise. And so in the midst of singing that song, just a, just a confession moment of thanking him for what he's done for us in Christ and, and his forgiveness of all of our sins. But his desire, as he tells us in 1 John 1, 9, his desire for us to confess our sins to him when we're convicted of those sins we don't just ignore them because those sins that we commit, even as believers, they break our fellowship with God. They, they, they mess that relationship up. Uh, they don't give us that close, they, they keep us from that closeness that God wants to have with us. And so we have that great avenue of confession. And we can do that even while we're singing. But let's also just take a moment uh, for those who need to do that even now uh, as we continue the service. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we pause just now uh, to silently in our hearts, and we know it's not silent to you, uh, confess our sins to you. Even, even ones that maybe were brought up during the, the time of praise or the scripture reading. And we thank you for the promise that you've made that, that according to your justice and according to your righteousness, you forgive us. Because our sins... We're forgiven when Jesus died on the cross. He took upon himself the wages that we deserve to be paid for our sin. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for restoring our full fellowship with you when we confess our sins to you. We thank you for that. And again, we're sorry for sometimes taking so long to confess these things to you. But we thank you for your full and free to us forgiveness. We know it wasn't free for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 this morning. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. 
For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and an agent of wrath to bring punishment on, wrong, on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Again, we praise God for his word. And we praise God for the way that he has instituted the, uh, the governments of the world to, to help us uh, survive, to help us thrive in this life. Even as he instituted, as we talked about on Mother's Day, as he instituted the family, to organize us, uh, to give us relationships, to, uh, to, to help each other. He's also instituted governments. And don't be misled um, by, by this passage in thinking that every government is good and should be obeyed at, at the same level as another. Uh, we know that's not true, and we know that's not what the Apostle Paul was referring to in this case, because many of the letters that Paul himself wrote, he was in prison for being punished by the government for disobeying them. So he knew there were times when the government needed to be disobeyed and when the government needed to be rebelled against in that respect. James and John, the same, as they, were, uh, as they had been arrested um, all the way back in Jerusalem, you know, in the, in the early days of the church, and, and they were finally going to be released. You remember the, the authorities told them, now you guys can go, just don't talk about Jesus anymore. And they said, well, <laughs> well we're go. But whether we're going to talk about Jesus or not, I mean, we're going to obey God instead of you. So there is that hierarchy in this, in this plan that doesn't take away the fact that God has put governments together and gives us the responsibility to respect them and to honor them. And that's what we're doing this morning by, by taking time out to honor and respect those who have died uh, for our country. But we do so carefully, and we don't want we to wanna give the, the wrong impression because there are lots of, of wrong ideas about uh, the death of soldiers in battle. You know, it goes, it goes back a long way, probably further than the Vikings, um, but this, uh, this doctrine of, of eternal life by giving your life, you know, for your country or for your clan um, is a false doctrine. And a lot of people, even in the United States, believe that. And this is an opportunity for witness for us as we, as we you know, get to know people and, and, and that kind of thing on special occasions like this, on Memorial Day weekend or Veterans Day or Fourth of July, these kinds of times. As we're having conversations, we'll find out that people and many people in our country actually believe if you serve your country and you're killed in action, that that is an automatic ticket to heaven. That's, that's one, of the, one of the false doctrines of forms of nationalism uh, that, are, that are really increasing in these days. But I want you to understand, that is not true. Um, there's only one way for anyone, soldier or non-soldier, dying in battle or, or dying of old age, there's only one way for anyone to have their sins forgiven and be given the gift of eternal life. And that is through faith in Jesus Christ. The only way. 
There, there's no other way. Not believing hard enough in some other religion or some other, um, you know, method of salvation, as, as many people will tell you. Well, just as long as, as you believe in all your heart with whatever it is you believe, then that's going to do it for you. No. All those things are false. And so is this idea that giving your life for your country is, is automatically going to be honored by going to heaven. Only through Jesus Christ. That's what, what Jesus was talking about when he was talking to his disciples in John 14, 6. Do you remember that? When he was telling them, he's telling his disciples, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas says, uh, no, we don't. It tells. So Jesus made this statement. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. And that no one includes people that do great things, even at the last breath of their life. They did something great. They did something heroic. And just by our own natural uh, instincts, we think, well, that, they probably made it then for that. No. Only through faith in Jesus Christ. That's why John said in John 1.12, when he was describing the, the situation of Jesus' day when so many of his, of his fellow Israelites did not believe in him, did not receive him. John said he came into his own, his own did not receive him. But to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, there, there, there aren't other options, there aren't other avenues. It's only through Jesus Christ. And so it's important for us to remember these kinds of things on a special day like this when we're honoring um, those who have fallen um, in battle uh, for us. We want to honor them, we want to respect them, but we don't want to give people the idea that we believe that somehow commitment to the United States and and dedication to our country is somehow a a way for people to be saved and to be forgiven of their sins. That's why we pray for our soldiers and for their families on a regular basis, because we want them to come to faith in Christ. We, as as we love them and respect them for what, what they're doing, we pray and we support those who are giving the gospel to those. We have, we have soldiers from our very church that we're praying for and soldiers that are about, or, or men that are about to be soldiers that we're going to be praying for, that they will have a strong witness with their fellow troops. Because a lot of people in the service also have the idea that, the, that, that, that paying, you know, paying the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice, that that is somehow salvific and we, we want them to understand that it's not. And so we pray for and support those who, who share the gospel with our soldiers and their families so they don't have some kind of false hope that service to our country is the same thing as believing in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that our country is not important. It is, and we're thankful for it. In fact, I think that our country, the United States of America, is, is an example, not the only example, but, but a great example of an answer to Paul's prayer that he taught Timothy to pray as a leader of a church um, back in 1 Timothy chapter 2, when he, when he said that he, he, he wanted Timothy to pray for, for kings and all those in authority, that they would allow the people of their country to live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and to share the gospel of Christ with others within those, within those borders. That was his prayer, to, to, to pray for countries and for those in authority. And our country is an example of that. So I see this as a great answer to the prayers of many over the, over the centuries. 
And it's our responsibility now to continue to pray that for our country, that we'll continue, and to pray for other countries as well, where, where people aren't allowed to do what we're doing this morning. And isn't it great to be together to worship God? And we, you know, we've gone through some time period where we haven't been together. And for those of you that are back for the first time this morning after a long time, welcome back. It's so good to see you. And we're so glad you're back. But, and also those who are worshiping online, and uh, we're, we're still glad we're able to do this and, and connect in this way as well. But it is good to worship together. And it's good to, it's so great to do it in a free society, in a, in a, in a place where we're not being monitored right now. Oh, they might be listening. I mean, through your watch or some of you have your cell phone on, and that kind of stuff, you know. But somebody's listening, we're sure of that. Hopefully they'll come to Christ uh, through, the, uh, through the experience. But, but they're not going to, re- you know, as a pastor, I'm really thankful that I'm not really concerned this morning. One, I've got many concerns, but one of them isn't that after the service is over, during the middle of service, somebody's going to come in here and arrest me for doing this. I'm really glad about that. And I pray for my brothers and sisters who get arrested for sharing the gospel or get arrested for preaching, you know, the word of God and, and those kind of things. I pray for those who have to, have to send their sermons into their area um, minister of religious activity and, 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 and have it approved before they preach it. Send the passages of scripture that I'm going to be, that I'm going to be focusing on. Send those in and get those approved Send the songs in that we're going to sing and get those approved before we say, I'm glad I don't have to do that. And there are brother, our brother, we have brothers and sisters around the world that have to do that. And so that, that makes the United States, in my opinion, just a very, very, very special place. And, and I'm so thankful for it. But we have to remember that this, the United States, this is not heaven. And, and as believers in Jesus Christ, our first citizenship is in heaven. That's what we have to remember. This, this citizenship here in the United States, this is secondary. If this country tells me to do something that God tells me not to do, I'm going to respectfully, but as James and John did, as Paul did, but boldly say, no, not doing that. Or yes, I'm going to continue doing that, even though you tell me I can't. And I would encourage and hope that all of us would do that. Recognizing that we should not fear our country more than we fear God. That we should, our first priority, our first um, allegiance is not to the flag of the United States, but it's to our Lord Jesus Christ and to his word. And, And we need to remember that. And we also need to understand that. Because so many times people misunderstand um, statements like, for example, the passage that we read in, in uh, second Samuel this morning about David's lament, his crying, his, his song of sorrow over the loss of Saul and Jonathan, men that he loved that, that died in battle. It's important for us to, to remember that is a, a historical event that took place and something that we, can, that we can do today. We can honor those who have fallen, but we can't take everything that happens in the, uh, in the word of God that's, that's directly related to Israel, we can't take every promise that's, that's related to Israel and then immediately associate that with the United States. That's not, that's not a proper correlation. The promises of God to Israel are his promises to Israel. And many of those promises haven't been fulfilled yet. They will be fulfilled. 
not in the United States or by the United States or other great countries. They will be fulfilled as his promise was made to Israel, his chosen country. He doesn't have another chosen country now. He hasn't replaced it. He hasn't replaced Israel because of their, their rebellion back you know, a long time ago and then, for, and then for a long time. He hasn't replaced them with countries like the United States or England or, or other countries that we think would be great countries. No, those promises are still going to come to pass. That's what we were talking about last week from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. As we, as we think of the Lord's coming and the day of the Lord and, and the things that are going to happen right after that, that thousand-year reign of Jesus on this earth, that is going to be a fulfillment. And then many of those Old Testament promises to Israel are going to be fulfilled during that time period. So we don't, we don't expect that the promises that God made to Israel are promises that he made to the United States. And we have to be careful about that. A lot of people think that. Because, hey, this is a, a lot of people think, hey, this is a Christian country. And they quote some of our founding fathers who made statements about Jesus or about the word of God and things like that and think, okay, that makes this a Christian country. No, this isn't a Christian country. This Christian was founded by some Christians and by some non-Christians. Our founding fathers were a mixed group of people. And our government today is, is a mixed group of people. Our citizenry is a mixed group of people. We have many Christians, but we're not a Christian country. And so the promises of God to Israel don't directly apply to the United States. They also don't always directly apply to the church. We can take them and we can learn from them, but we also have to understand what he is specifically making a promise to Israel, that promise is to Israel. We can understand it, the principles of it. For example, um, one of the, one of the uh, probably uh, most quoted verses in this context is the, is the statement that Samuel or excuse me, that Solomon made, when he said, if my people who are called by my name, you remember that? That's a promise to Israel. That's not a promise to the United States. That doesn't mean that if, that if all the Christians in the United States repent, that all of a sudden he's going to change everything in the United States overnight and, and make it this perfect place. That's not a promise. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't repent. That, that promise that God makes and that call that he makes... We should repent. Absolutely, that's, what, that's the, the way that it applies to us. But the result of that will be eternal results, will be eternal fruit, not necessarily temporal ones. And we need to understand that. And on days like this, on Memorial Day, when we're thinking about our country and how thankful we are for it, we have to remember, this is a special country, this is a great country, and we owe allegiance, respect, and honor to it. But under our honor in allegiance and respect to God and to his word and to our place in the heavenly kingdom that we're citizens of through Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's always important for us to remember when we are celebrating something like Memorial Day that, we, that we're doing it in obedience to God's word, giving honor and respect to those who are do it, but we're also doing it with an understanding that even though many in our country and many that are serving or have served have these ideas, they're not always correct. And we take this as an opportunity when we're talking with people and we find out that they have that belief, they do believe that special place that the United States has or something in God's eyes or that soldiers have who die, that, that they get special dispensation. We recognize, no, 
No one is good enough. No one has done enough good things, including giving their life for the country. None of those things are sufficient to have our sins forgiven. There's only one thing that was sufficient, that is sufficient for the forgiveness of our sins. And that is why we keep a cross right up there. It's a reminder. There's, no, there's nothing special about that cross. There's, there's no special blessing that we get by coming and looking at it or bowing down to it. Or, no, we don't do that. That is a reminder to us of the one way, the only way that our sins can be forgiven. That Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the only son of God, the only one who has ever been fully God and fully man, shown to be that through his special birth by a virgin, shown to be that through his life of sinlessness throughout his entire life, shown to be that through his death on the cross and the way that he died, even expressing grace to those who were killing him and who were dying alongside him. And you remember that. You remember what he, what he prayed as, they were, as the soldiers were nailing his, his wrist to the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. You remember what he said to the, one of the thieves who after some time, because they were up there for a while together, and at first he was, you know, he was joining in with the other guy, and then it hit him as he's watching Jesus die. And he's thinking about the things that he said. He probably heard him offer a prayer of forgiveness for those soldiers who were crucifying him. And finally, that that thief on the cross said, Hey, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And there's Jesus, sinless, being asked by a sinful person. He even told his friend, or his colleague in crime, we deserve this. He doesn't. And you remember what Jesus said? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Today. See, the way he died, the way he rose again. Phrases, that's why we're here today. We're not here today because this is Memorial Day weekend. We're here today because this is the first day of the week. This is Sunday. This is the day Jesus rose from the dead, and we remember that every week together. The way he rose from the dead, victorious over the grave. The way he ascended to the right hand of the Father, leaving this world after 40 days of appearing to his his disciples and others, and then ascending to the right hand of the Father. And he will return as we sang earlier this this morning the way he did what he did because of who he is he is the only one who can give to us what we need praise god for john blumquist in his prayer for providing us you know what we need to give offerings remember first of all he provided us jesus because that's what we really need more than paychecks more than food more than the air that we breathe, we need Jesus Christ. And so no, no matter how good someone is in this world and in the service of their country, and again, we're very, I'm, 
I'm reading a book right now about some modern-day hero soldiers, and one of them, a double amputee. When, when people come up to him and say, thank you for your service, instead of saying, you're welcome, he says, you're worth it. That is awesome. That is an awesome attitude. That is an awesome sacrifice that guy made. But that sacrifice and that statement that he makes, that doesn't save him. As great as it is, as amazing as it is, it doesn't save him. He needs Jesus. And he may know Jesus. But everybody needs Jesus. The good things that they do, even in the service of our country, are not sufficient for our salvation. But Jesus is sufficient. And he has made himself available and his work available to everyone who will believe. To everybody. He's, you know, through our, our, in our national crises right now, our, our racial crises and our socioeconomic crises and our immigration crises and all these different crises that we're having. We got some different crises. There's one thing that stands above all of these divisions. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for every single one of us. No matter what our color is, no matter what our income is, no matter what our background is, no matter what our language is, no matter what our gender is, none of these things keep him from loving us. And that, and that picture of, of, of him praying for the soldiers and him, le- and, and him receiving that thief on the cross, those, those should be great examples for us to remember that. You know, some of us have some friends that we think, or some acquaintances that we think, oh, that guy's too far gone. Or that, that, there's no way that woman's ever going to be saved. You know something? Everybody, everybody in the church in Jerusalem said that about Paul, Saul of Tarsus. Everybody said, no way. If somebody would say, hey, let's pray for that guy, they said, forget that. That guy will never come to Christ. He's killing us, literally. Who came to Christ? Saul of Tarsus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter how we grew up. He loves and will forgive every single one of us who put our trust in him, who receive him. Again, that's what John said. To, to receive him is to believe in his name, to recognize that he's unique. He's the, the only all-sufficient Savior, the only one. Going to church, wonderful, and I'm glad you're doing it. You should. We need this as the, as the body of Christ. We need to be together. And this is important for us, but this doesn't save us. Being kind and good and nice to each other, wonderful. We should do that. But it doesn't save us. Giving. A little or a lot, it doesn't save us. It doesn't mean we shouldn't give. But it doesn't save us. And on and on we can go with the things that people fall into the trap of thinking, well, I've, hey, I've done so much, he's, you know, he's got he's to let me in. This morning, someone was sharing with me the opportunities that she takes uh, to share her faith with, with strangers. 
and to and to help to try to get them to a place where they'll they'll finally listen to her ask this question. Are you have you come to a place in your life where you know for certain that when you die you will spend eternity with God? For certain. You know that for certain is a kicker. A lot of people say, oh, I don't think you can really know that. You can just kind of hope that. Hope that hopefully the good stuff that we do will outweigh the bad stuff that we do. Now, certain people could know, like people who die in battle for their country. They might know. No. That certainty is something that only comes to those of us who have put our trust in the one who can save us. So I don't have to wonder if I'm going to be saved, if I've, if I've stopped sinning enough or, or stopped sinning severely enough to be saved. No, I'm saved for one reason. Because I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And he forgives everybody who believes in him. And that's me. I believe in him. And that's why I believe I'm going to be saved. That's why I have that certainty. That certain, certainty only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Those who are hoping that their righteous deeds or their good acts will somehow save them, they're going to they're die in doubt and they're going to find out that they weren't good enough. They're going to find out that their good things did not outweigh their bad things. Because the word of God tells us that if we break the law in just one, on just one point, we've broken it all. You know what his point in saying that is? Same, same reason he said this in the Sermon on the Mount. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. What? Yeah, because that's the standard. And the only way that we can achieve that standard is by having the one who did that, who lived a perfect life, to have him put his righteousness into us. And he does that when we put our trust in Christ. And so, many of us here this morning already knew everything that I said. That doesn't mean it wasn't worthwhile for you coming this morning. Because there's somebody who needs to hear this from you. There's somebody who still thinks if they serve their country well enough, or if they go to church enough, or if they do enough enough good, nice things, that they're somehow going to be good enough to make it to heaven. And they need somebody like you to remind of of what God says. And to remind them that Jesus will take care of them. That Jesus has done enough. That Jesus is the perfect one and that he will give them forgiveness of their sins through faith in what he's done for them. Let's bow together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning again for our country. It is a special place. And it's had a lot of very, very special people, special leaders along the years. But Father, none of them were perfect, and our country's not perfect. And while we're thankful and obedient to the degree that we should be, we know that our first allegiance is to you through Jesus Christ. And we thank you that once you've forgiven us of our sins, you've made us citizens of heaven. And so this morning, Father, we pray for our soldiers who are serving right now and their families. Some of them are going to be memorialized next year because they'll die this year serving us, serving you, 
as a soldier for our country. And we pray that you would get the message of Jesus through a fellow soldier, through a chaplain, through a local in the area that they're serving who knows Christ. We pray that you would get the message of salvation through Jesus Christ to them and that they would realize that while you are pleased with their service of their country, that the only way that their sins will ever be forgiven will be through faith in Jesus Christ, your son. And we pray that same thing for our soldiers' families. So many of them need you, Father. So many of them are, are still confused as to how to be saved. They're still living in rebellion against you, even though they're doing a wonderful thing in serving our country. They're still in rebellion against you. And we pray that through the churches, the various media broadcasts, through individuals, like the woman I was speaking with this morning who shares her faith in Christ with strangers on a regular basis. Father, in some means, some way that you would get the message of the gospel to those families of our servicemen and women this morning. To prepare them for real life instead of their continued movement toward eternal death. And Father, we pray the same for any who are here this morning or in our service this morning, even on the internet, that that haven't yet put their trust in Christ. They're still hoping to be good enough. They still have plans to change their lives in a sufficient enough way that you will accept them. Father, help them to realize that you accept them through your son, Jesus, and what he's done. That you've given him and you've given them everything that they need in him. And we pray, Father, that you would help them to have the courage and the faith this morning to say yes to the one and only Savior, Jesus. And Father, for those of us who know him, we give you thanks and we pray that you would use us to share that good news with others and that you would make eternal fruit through us for your glory. In his name, amen.